the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to today's podcast, sponsored by Hillsdale College. All things Hillsdale at Hillsdale.edu. I encourage you to take advantage of the many free online courses there. And, of course, to listen to the Hillsdale Dialogues, all of them at Q for Hillsdale.com, or just Google Apple, iTunes, and Hillsdale. Welcome back, America. I'm Hugh Hewitt, joined by Congressman Mike Gallagher, chairman of the Select Committee in the House on Engagement with the Chinese Communist Party and the most controversial man in America this morning. Boy, did you screw up my show. I was prepared to talk to you about the fact that Friday, the Cavaliers bested the Bucks in Milwaukee on their home court, 112 to 100, and that right now the Cavaliers are in second place and the Bucks are in third place. And then you go and vote against my Orcas impeachment and blow up my whole shtick. So thanks a lot. Well, listen, you've been giving Langford so much crap on Twitter. I just figured I should create a diversion and draw your fire away from him for at least a morning. So I like James Langford. I like him. He got He's it wrong. Uh, now, let, let's begin by the fact you have a Wall Street Journal editorial, which is very persuasive, explaining why you voted no on the Mayorkas impeachment. Why don't you explain to the audience why you did so? Well, the, the op-ed focuses on the constitutional questions. If I could uh, explain maybe the practical issue that I don't really get into there. Let's assume Mayorkas gets impeached. I actually think he will once they, they figure out a way to get all the members present. I concede the fact that the border is an unmitigated disaster. When I was a freshman member of the Homeland Security Committee, I chaired the special task force on denying terrorist entry into the United States. It was a problem in 2017. It got worse such that President Trump declared a national emergency on the southern border. It has gotten exponentially worse under President Biden. It's a humanitarian tragedy. It's a national security threat. I concede all of these points. I voted for every hawkish immigration bill and against every amnesty bill that I've been confronted with in my seven years in Congress. I concede that point. But ask yourself, if Mayorkas gets impeached or when he gets impeached, what changes at the southern border? How how practically, what problem will this solve? And furthermore, like, let's tease that logic out a little bit. If two... Trump impeachments and failed convictions in the Senate, which is, of course, what would happen with Mayorkas, made Trump stronger. Would it not further embolden Mayorkas and the Biden administration in this border mess? So I just don't see what practical problem this actually solves at the southern border. It will not fix. Oh, no, that, that's interesting. And for- the Republicans are counting on. Chuck Schumer not bringing up the impeachment proceedings, but you're pointing out he very well may. He might invite uh, the impeachment managers to come over and make their case, and they might ju- they control the floor. They might just shred us, right? It's well either way. What would change at the border? Or or let's consider the third scenario, which is like the probability of it is maybe less than one percent. Let's say Mayorkas is actually convicted in the Senate, right? Uh, would, would that change the Biden administration's policy on the southern border? 
And I think that's the thrust of at least one of my points in the op-ed. President Biden campaigned on an open borders agenda. He immediately, via executive orders, implemented that open borders agenda. Mayorkas is implementing the president's policy. And a brushback pitch against Mayorkas in the form of an impeachment, whether he gets convicted or not, will not change. That's right. Let me me give you the counter argument, Congressman. Uh, It's political. Uh, We wanted to underscore the we being Republicans want to underscore that the border is open and it's Biden's fault. Uh, And that has been underscored. And the but the bill that we came up with, Senator Lankford is dead and the chaos is there. Let me play for you what Joe Biden said yesterday. And it's going to be what he says every day. Cut number. Where's the cut where he talked about the border? Number three. Every day between now and November, the American people are going to know that the only reason the border is not secure is Donald Trump and his MAGA Republican friends. So the counter argument is the impeachment of Mayorkas would at least give us an opportunity to rebut the president. And I'm sure you heard that on the floor yesterday. Did you hear that argument on the floor? And what's your response to it? Yeah, I heard that argument and and the related argument that, well, the Democrats already lowered the standard for impeachment. Therefore, you know, we can't unilaterally disarm. I would say two things. It's un- everything we do is both political and practical and policy. And well, being political does not absolve you from standing on principle. The second thing is, I, I don't think that argument would hold with your kids, right? You wouldn't say because someone else did something we didn't like. Well, now turnabout is fair play. And furthermore, when you're dealing with something like impeachment, the very fact that we are going back to the 1800s to find precedent and support for our arguments suggests that this vote is not merely a political exercise. This vote will reverberate throughout history and future Congresses will be looking to this vote to determine whether to impeach someone in the future. And I think this is ultimately the intellectual hurdle I couldn't get over. I fear by further lowering the bar for impeachment and endorsing the principle that you can impeach a cabinet secretary for egregious maladministration in the absence of a crime. And we've never impeached a cabinet secretary before in the absence of crime. We're pointing a loaded gun at the next Trump administration. And we'll see, of course, the Democrats will exploit this new standard and weaponize it to create chaos and make it impossible, ironically, for Trump's secretary of Homeland Security to secure the southern border or for us to implement a conservative policy. And so that's my concern. I I want to sincerely say I respect everyone on the other side. I get the concerns of the southern border. I share them. And if this actually were to somehow improve the crisis at the southern border, perhaps I would have considered it differently or if the articles were drafted a little different way. And in particular, I commend Chairman Green, who I truly admire He's a man of honor. He's a warrior. He's a scholar. I, I, I love Chairman Green and I respect his work. And so I, I don't I, I it gives me no joy to do this. I just have to stay consistent with the arguments I made defending Trump against the Democrats weaponization of impeachment. Now, let me give you the last argument and the most important argument. Parties matter. All right. Parties matter. That's how progress is made politically and policy wise on both levels. And the party was deeply embarrassed yesterday because it did not pass what they thought they were going to, and on the Israel aid as well. And they'll do it next week when yeah. Scalise is back. So you could have, in good conscience, said, well, it will pass next week, so I'm going to vote. In, in uh, You could have announced your objection, but also said, I understand the leader, majority leader Scalise is not here, so I will vote as he would and not stop what the party wants. In other words, 
I am a Republican. I believe in the Republican Party, and we need good, strong parties to advance our agenda. And therefore, I, Mike Gallagher, will vote against something I don't believe in. Uh, that seems a, a little bit like a triple bank shot for me. I mean, I, I guess I see what you're saying. I'm just not sure it's a principled vote. More to the point, I I was not undecided. I, I went no for over a month. So nobody was surprised about my vote. It's unclear to me why we barreled ahead with a vote, knowing that the votes weren't there. Well, that I, that's a different there. question entirely. I'm not talking about party management. I'm I, just talking I played about by party. the party rules. I played by every rule that the party has put in place for how we should not surprise them for a vote. So I, no, th- we barreled ahead with a vote. We did not need to embarrass ourselves. We could have simply waited until the math uh, was different and gone ahead. Um, so the argument I, I of comedy, party. my argument is comedy would say, we're going to win next week, uh, Chairman Gallagher. Why don't you give us your vote this week rather than giving the Democrats a couple of days win? It's kind of not significant for all the reasons you've talked about, but it would it did embarrass the Republicans. And you're willing to take that heat? Yeah, I, but again, it gives me no joy. I just I want to. They one, I want to and maybe this is selfish. I want to say personally, intellectually consistent with the arguments I've made in the past. And two, I'm genuinely worried about the precedent we're setting. And I fear by further prying open the Pandora's box of perpetual impeachment, we are we are we are going to impact the ability of a future Republican presidency and administration to implement border policy. That is your Um, best argument. It is late Roman Republic stuff to innovate with never before tried uh, maneuvers. So that's your best argument. Chairman, while we've got you, 25,000 Chinese came over the border last year. You're not a squish on the border. How many of those 25,000 do you think were sent by the Chinese Communist Party? The honest answer is we don't know. But as I've said to you before, we have it's an unusual spike from an unusual population relative to historical trends. You have to assume there is some sort of national security threat here. And we have to shut down the border. We have to shut down the border. Let me remind you, impeaching Mayorkas will not result in shutting down the border or fixing the problem of Chinese nationals or anybody else coming across the border or the fentanyl issue. It is a top priority. It is a matter of national security. And, of course, our enemies will seek to weaponize the gaping holes in our southern border. So let me get you into more trouble. Let me get you into even more trouble. (laughs) I I have been uh, speaking in support of the supplemental this morning. I hope that the Senate passes the supplemental with aid to Ukraine in it. I am a big believer in aid to Ukraine, like Mike Pompeo. Uh, Would you vote for a supplemental with aid to Taiwan, Ukraine, uh, Israel, and the United States Industrial Base for the Defense Department? It it all depends on the final numbers. I think what might make it more palatable is to rebalance the numbers. So plus up Taiwan, $5 billion spread across the Indo-Pacific is not enough. And you could sort of take the number down on Ukraine. But of course, I support clinical assistance to Ukraine. I would add to that, Hugh, as I've talked with you about before, my FIRES Act, which would allow the Defense Department to use the average $10 billion a year. It doesn't spend in order to rebuild our critical munitions industrial base. And that consistent $10 billion a year over the course of five years would allow us to rebuild our entire arsenal of deterrence, which would be relevant for Taiwan, for Israel, and Ukraine. That's an even simpler fix that would get us past this precarious political moment right now. I hope that, I hope that happens. Now, 
You've used up all your time and you've avoided answering how the Bucks got embarrassed by the Cavaliers. But I think it's pretty extreme to vote against impeachment to avoid talking about the Bucks collapse. Listen, these are we live in interesting times, too. And so, you know, one one must go to extremes. To avoid are you going to do media wrath, all day today uh, and the wrath of the party? I, I recommend you go yes. out and talk to everyone about this everywhere, not hide from anyone. Are you just going to be doing media end to end? The only problem is, like, I don't I don't want to be one of these Republicans that is like, you know, leveraging this to like, you know, crap on the party on CNN. I, I always think that's just like a bad look. And I sincerely respect the people on the other side of the, the debate. I tried to understand it and I, I don't I don't want to do anything to to, you know, get in the way of what I think is their sincere effort to fix a very difficult problem on the southern border. Well said. Uh, Chairman Gallagher's piece is in The Wall Street Journal. I put it on my X file. Please go and get it. And thank you, Chairman. Next week, the bucks will be further behind and you cannot avoid accountability for their collapse forever. Thank you, Chairman Mike Gallagher. I'll be right back, America. Welcome back, America. I'm Hugh Hewitt. Senator John Cornyn, one of our favorites and a friend of the program for many years, joins us. Good morning, Senator. How are you? I'm doing great, Hugh. Thanks for having me. I want to first compliment your comm staff, because a couple of times this week, I mistakenly said you were involved in the debacle of 2013. That was our friend John Kyle, not John Cornyn. But they're both great lawyers, and they're both named John, and they're from the Southwest. And your comms people would gently remind me, uh, Hugh... You're going Joe Biden on us. That was not John Cornyn. So uh, my hat is off to your comms team. Uh, talk to us a little bit about why the border bill is dead. Well, I think basically it boils down to a, a lack of trust. Uh, if President Biden can't be trusted to enforce existing laws, which were largely the same as the ones in place when President Trump was in office, then what gives us the confidence that he will enforce these new changes? Uh, I think that's basically what happened. People realized, well, we can't trust him. And so uh, that's that's the reason I think it uh, fell apart. Now, I feel bad for Senator Lankford, who spent months trying to get the best deal possible. But there might be a bright side here. The best deal possible from Democrats is no deal at all. Yeah, well, James Langford is uh, so well-respected, widely respected. I mean, there's no better better man in the Senate, and, uh, you know, I feel bad for him. But this is this is a rough-and-tumble business sometimes, and, um, and there's nothing more complex than immigration law and the politics and the, and the, and the detail, the intricacy of the law. So he did his best, and uh, that's all anybody can be asked to do, uh, but uh, I think— Basically, it's a, it's, a, it's a lack of confidence in the Biden administration. Now, Senator, I don't know if they're ever going to talk about this in the conference this year, but would you please, when it comes up again, pass along the message, no wall, no bill, because I really do believe nine out of ten Republicans want that wall built over 900 miles of a 1,950-mile border, and unless and until it's in a bill, there ain't going to be a bill. Do you agree with me on that? I think it's an essential part of a, of a bill. The, the challenge we have now there is the catch and release policies of the Biden administration. People claiming asylum, of course, are walking in and turning themselves over. There are the issue of the gotaways, the 1.7 million people evading law enforcement, and certainly a physical wall would would help deter them. And uh, and then there's the, uh, the just the re- the fact that even if people aren't claiming asylum, just in order to manage the public relations problem. And the visual images on TV, the the administration just releasing them and giving them work permits. Well, that's a huge magnet 
for more people to come, and they will, and they have. That, that, that's what, it's, it's a necessary but far from sufficient step. It's a messaging yeah. device. It's a signal rather than the noise. Now, Senator, let's turn to what's coming up today. Uh, the border bill will be stripped from the supplemental. I am a big fan of the supplemental without the border bill. I want aid to Ukraine, Israel, Taiwan, and the United States defense base to pass. Have you decided what to do yet? Yes, I'll support that. Um, you know, I don't think Joe, I don't think uh, Vladimir Putin's going to stop in Ukraine, and we actually have a legal obligation based on the Budapest Memorandum in 1994, where Ukraine gave up their nuclear weapons in exchange for a, our agreement to help protect their sovereignty. Um, and you know, NATO is just right next door. Um, those who remember their world history and World War II know that things can happen. Uh, unexpectedly small things that uh, sort of cascade into big things. And I think uh, in order to stop Putin, we need to continue to support Ukraine. And, of course, the Indo-Pacific is critical um, because uh, President Xi has made it no secret. He tends to, quote, unify, close quote, uh, mainland China with Taiwan. And obviously Israel is a longtime ally and deserves our support. Now, Senator Cotton was on yesterday. He complimented Senator Collins for negotiating these provisions. When we add your support to his support, that means the conservatives are going to support this. There might be a couple who say no. Senator Paul is always a wild card. But it sounds to me like the supplemental will pass today. Does that is that a pretty good prediction? Yeah, well, just to be clear, we'll, we'll proceed to the bill. And then, of course, there'll be an amendment process. And we don't know how long that will take. But my sense is that there is a supermajority support in the Senate for the supplemental uh, absent the, uh, the negotiated border provision. Now, now I am glad about that because it's serious. We live in very serious times, and I, and I want the Congress to be serious. It will go to the House. There are some hardcore opponents of aid to Ukraine for reasons I don't agree with, but I recognize that they're there. Do you think Speaker Johnson can manage to get this to the bill using suspension? I do. Um, I think, you know, he's obviously got a very thin majority, but uh, this shouldn't be a party line vote. Uh, I think this will be a strong bipartisan vote in the, in the House as well. And I applaud uh, Speaker Johnson for navigating what is a very challenging political environment for him personally. But I, I know based on his public comments, he recognizes the importance of these issues to our own national security and and to peace in the world. In the supplemental, Senator, what does it do for the home front? I believe it expands shipbuilding capacity and does a few other things, but what's it do for our bullets and missiles and our armories? Well, that's been one of the biggest problems exposed by the, the Ukrainian or the uh, Russian invasion of Ukraine is that our defense industrial base has not been up to speed to produce the weapons that are necessary. And, of course, we've been providing some of these weapons to um, Ukraine, but depleting our own stocks in the process. If we ever had to fight a two-front war uh, in Asia and in Europe, heaven forbid, uh, but if we ever had to do that, our defense industrial base is not up to speed. And this is not something that you can turn off and on uh, like a light switch. It takes investments, it takes incentives, and it takes time. I think we're beginning to make some progress there, but uh, we're far from where we need to be. It also seems to me that it's bipartisan. You've got Senator King today writing in favor of the supplemental. And if you've got Senator Collins 
drafting a lot of it for Republicans. They're both from Maine, but one is with the Democrats. I know Angus calls himself an independent. Is this genuinely bipartisan, uh, absent the border stuff? Yes, it is. And both Senator Collins and Senator King and I serve, along with Senator Cotton, who you mentioned earlier, on the, on the uh, Senate Select Committee on Intelligence. So we get we get classified briefings uh, uh, each each week, literally every day, on the progress of uh, being made and the challenges that are presented. So I think there's broad bipartisan awareness of the seriousness of the, the times we're living in and the threats we face. And I think that will be reflected in the vote. I hope so. Now, you know, I'd like to turn to you to a little bit about what is going on inside the Republican Party. There is I'm, I get a full board of people who are opposed to Ukraine aid. They they think Zelensky's corrupt and they've got a lot of issues with everything. Are we going to make the argument and persuade our party to go back to be the party of Reagan? Or is that a hopeless cause? Well, we've always had this division in among conservatives between the libertarians who tend to be more what I would call isolationists uh, and what I would call traditional national security Republicans. And uh, so I don't think that that's that's a, a, that split is anything new. Um, but I think, you know, what's missing is a president making the case using the bully pulpit and in the absence of a president actually making the case to the American people in the Congress, then uh, things tend to tend to uh, fall apart. So uh, but I think there's a, a core of, of support, bipartisan support that will keep us in a position of, of strength and one that will provide deterrence uh, to our to our adversaries and one that will help us uh, avoid the worst of uh, potential consequences. Now, last week, the United States hit 85 targets in three separate countries at the same time. Quite the demonstration of force. Iran blew that off and continued attacking through its proxies, our troops in the Middle East. What do we have to... Is that because we didn't mess it? What? Why are they doing that? Are they not afraid of us? No, they're not. And, you know, if you look back at, uh, at the history of, uh, of Iran since the revolution in 1979, they've been engaged in a war... Uh, low-grade war against the United States and Israel and the West uh, for the last 45 years. And uh, this included providing explosively formed penetrators to uh, Iranian proxies in, uh, in Iraq that killed American service members. Um, you know, you can just go down the list. The, the, the SEALs that died, the, the service members that were killed by the Shia militias in Iraq. This is all, Iran's behind all of this. The Iranian Revolutionary Guard, and the Quds Force, um, General Soleimani, who was taken out by the Trump administration, thankfully, uh, was the leader of that. But there are plenty more people who view uh, Israel as, uh, as, as a, something to be exterminated, and they've called the United States the great Satan, and they're determined to, to fight us. So we need to focus more on Iran and maybe not so much on the proxies, because that's the head of the octopus. Now, while I've got you, because I also have Justice Cornyn, he would be called that if he weren't a senator because he was a justice on the Texas Supreme Court. I want to ask you about this appeals court ruling yesterday in D.C. I'm not surprised that they struck down, uh, given the panel, given the circuit, although Judge Henderson was on it. I'm not surprised they struck down former President Trump's claim of absolute immunity from criminal prosecution for acts done while president. But I also expect the Supreme Court to take it, uh, uh, the cert. If they do, do you think it will halt the New York and the Georgia proceedings? It would certainly halt the D.C. and the Florida federal proceedings, 
But would it halt the New York or should it halt the New York and Atlanta proceedings? Well, it's, you know, these were uncharted waters. Um, historically, the Office of Legal Counsel, the OLC and the DOJ has provided authoritative guidance saying the pres- sitting president can't be prosecuted for, for crimes. And so, um, you know, I think I think this is a, a confluence of circumstances like we've never seen before. But I agree with you, the Supreme Court's going to have to decide it. I really sort of very uh, concerned that, you know, so much of what is political these days ends up being litigated and decided by the, th- the third branch that's supposed to be impartial and separated from politics because they're sort of getting sucked into all this by by necessity. What is what is the result if, as I fear, Donald Trump were to lose very narrowly, even more narrowly than 2020, and then be exonerated of all charges because they were improvidently brought or conducted after the election? In other words, that he'd win on appeal after being convicted and losing in November. What would be the result for the United States? I think it would be horrific, but I, yeah, I, I, I don't think I I'm persuading anyone. No, I, I think I think it would be uh, terrible. You know, during the time that President Trump was in office, he was a victim of abuse of power, rather from the FBI and uh, other elements of the, the government, as well as the mainstream media, that uh, resulted in the appointment of a special counsel and the two-year investigation by Robert Mueller that ended up with nothing. And so, you know, I think there's a lot of sympathy for President Trump being the victim here and. I I think uh, it it certainly polarizes our country and is not good. Next time we'll get to Robert Hur not bringing any charges against President Biden while Jack Smith is getting charges against former President Trump on documents. But that's another time. John Cornyn, Senator Extraordinaire, thank you for joining us. I'll be right back, America. This is Dennis Prager. I am excited to announce the all-new PragerTopia Plus. You can listen to my show whenever it's convenient for you, all commercial-free and all on demand. Now with Prager Plus, search topics, guests, and segments all the way back to 2010. And now a truly exciting new benefit, my monthly online video get-together for PragerTopia Plus members only. This is where for an hour each month, PragerTopia Plus members get an exclusive chance to ask me anything. That's right, anything. It's on video. I'll be talking to you and answering your questions. We may even have a special guest every now and then. I've never done this. Submit your questions for me at PragerTopia.com. This is only available to PragerTopia Plus members. This is our chance to connect like never before. Go to PragerTopia.com or click the banner at DennisPrager.com. I'm Hugh Hewitt. Good morning. We got a lot of news today. Uh, boy, do we have a lot of news. Let me start with just a rundown on, on political news. The Grand Old Pod will be posted over at The Universe this morning. And if you're watching on the Salem News Channel, if you belong to The Universe, uh, you'll be able to, to listen to basically a second show on on everything about the border bill, which is dead, dead, dead. Uh, brief update. Border bill is dead, dead, dead. And the other four portions, the security portions for our own United States preparedness, plus that of Taiwan and Ukraine and Israel, will all go to the floor for a test vote. I hope it passes. We need to support Ukraine. Uh, the idea of putting forward by Ambassador O'Brien, former National Security Advisor to former President Trump, is that the aid to Ukraine be limited to hardware. And that makes sense to me, too. But they, they're going to get a clean vote on that because everyone's given up on the, the border bill. Incredibly, 
Joe Biden said this yesterday. I mean, this is my favorite Joe Biden quote ever. Cut number three. Every day between now and November, the American people are going to know that the only reason the border is not secure is Donald Trump and his MAGA Republican friends. You know, that just makes me laugh, makes me smile. If that's what they're going to go with, good on them. You run with that, Joe. Eight million people have jumped over the border on your watch and Democrats refused to build the wall. They went for the ankle bracelet bill. And I know James Lankford did the best he could, but it dead, dead, dead because Republicans don't want Democrats don't want it either. Democrats don't want it either. It was a tough day for the president yesterday. I mean, really a bad day here. He uh, he gets a question about the fact and I'll get to the news in a moment about where we are on ceasefires and non ceasefires. I don't think we're going to get a ceasefire in Israel. But President Biden is standing in front of the world. Not really a press conference. It's a statement. Cut number one. There is some movement, and I don't want to, I don't want to, well, maybe choose my words. There's some movement. There's been a response from the, uh, there's been a response from the opposition, but, um, it, it, yes, I'm sorry. From Hamas. A helpful seems- member of the press tells the president what he can't remember, which is the name of the terrorist group that massacred 1,200 Israelis and is holding eight Americans hostage, some of whom may be dead. So the president is not fit to be president. You know it, and I know it. Uh, we had an election yesterday in Nevada. Nikki Haley came in second to none of the above. Uh, 42,000 people voted for none of the above in the Republican Nevada primary, and Nikki Haley got 20,000 votes, which she didn't contest it. It's a bizarre situation down there, but it's a it's not helpful. Uh, Republicans attempted to and failed to impeach Secretary Mayorkas yesterday. Our friend Representative Mike Gallagher, chair of the Select Committee on the Chinese Communist Party, voted against impeachment. He's joining us later. He'll tell us why. Hamas proposed what the president was mumbling about. Hamas proposed a counteroffer to the offer of the negotiated offer between Egypt, Qatar, Israel and the United States. They came up with a deal for Hamas and Hamas said, no, here's our proposal. Three stage ceasefire over 135 days and the, the war will be over. Now, in the background, you should know that yesterday the IDF put out the latest hostages. There are 136 hostages were taken to Gaza. At least 32 of them are dead. 20 more are feared dead. So 52 of the 136 are feared dead. And it's not a great backdrop for Hamas to demand uh, a end of the war. And the Israelis are signaling, nah, get out of here. You silly. Meanwhile, uh, Argentinian President Malay went to Israel yesterday, and Malay said, "Guess what? I'm moving our I'm moving our embassy to to Jerusalem, which is great. Now Argentina doesn't have an embassy there yet, but it's a good idea for Argentina to have an embassy. Argentina's got a lot of Jews, and they go back and forth, and they need an embassy. So good for Malay. Now let me talk to you. This is I sent a note this morning to Ricardo." at the Cuban hot dog and driving range in Miami. Ricardo has is a retired prosecutor. Retired big wig. Retired mucky muck. 
and now he's just Ricardo hitting a bag of balls. And he, by the way, if you ever count the number of balls on his practice range, it says a bucket of 100 balls. Well, you better count them because it's 97. It's like with him with strokes. So he's having a Cuban pork sandwich. Uh, and he sent me a note yesterday, and even though it was a text, it had pork stains on it, sauce stains on it, saying, I told you so. Now, what Ricardo has been telling me, where's Robert Hur? Robert Hur is investigating Joe Biden's classified documents, which, you know, he's been stealing since 1972 and putting into his garage. And yesterday it was leaked that today Hur will be providing his report to Attorney General Merrick Garland, and it will recommend no prosecution. What a shocker. Uh, From the Washington Post, the Justice Department is preparing to release a special counsel report in coming days that is critical of President Biden and his age for mishandling classified documents in Biden's private home and former office. But prosecutors do not plan to pursue criminal charges in this case. The long-awaited decision by special counsel Herr will probably roil the presidential contest as Republicans seek to paint Biden as a criminal. And as Donald Trump, the president's likely GOP rival for the White House, faces trials for allegedly keeping boxes of classified papers at his Florida home. Now, I want you to understand, former President Trump had declassification authority and could take anything he wanted, literally anything he wanted, if he exercised it. We have not yet seen the defense to the obstruction of justice charge, but I I think the defense of, I classified it in my mind, works. Matter of constitutional law. They're his papers. I think he gets taken with him, and he can fight forever. Uh, And they should have litigated in civil courts, and the National Archives and Record Administration is a left-wing place, and so they demanded a referral and got the FBI to raid Mar-a-Lago. But, 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 but. That does not go to the obstruction of justice charge, which is the most serious of all the four charges, which leads me to what the D.C. Circuit did yesterday. Now, understand the D.C. Circuit is to the federal courts as the Fifth Circuit is to the federal courts. Fifth Circuit is the most conservative circuit. The D.C. Circuit is the most liberal circuit. It used to be the Ninth Circuit. Now it's it's tied. And the D.C. Circuit ruled 3-0, including an H.W. Bush, Judge Henderson, That there is no sweeping immunity from criminal prosecution for former presidents. I agree with that conclusion, that there is no sweeping immunity. But I also think the Supreme Court has got to review it. There will be a petition for certiorari filed by the president within six days. This was what was weird. In the effort to get Trump, the D.C. Circuit gave him six days to decide what to do next and said, we're not going to slow down for non banc and Peel, uh, which is for the entire circuit. So go directly to the Supreme Court. Get out of here. And that's, again, two standards of justice. Every other criminal defendant in the country and Donald Trump. So Donald Trump gets said six days. So he'll make an appeal. And you can't guess what the Supreme Court's going to do. But I guess there are four votes to accept that appeal. And when it gets up there, they'll write the definitive opinion on the extent of of. Uh, immunity from criminal prosecution for acts conducted in office of presidents. And it will come from the Supreme Court. It must. They don't do they don't like cases like this. I am hoping that they punt this to the fall docket and that we get no decisions and no trials and no more proceedings until the election is over, because I actually would like to have an election in this country free of interference from the courts and from a Department of Justice, which is clearly broken. 
clearly, clearly broken. Now, on the border bill from the Hill, GOP delivers death blow to bipartisan border bill from the Wall Street Journal. Senators rush to salvage Ukraine aid after border deal fails. So the border deal, all that effort done, finished. If they would just listen, if they would just listen, there's never going to be a border bill until there is a wall. When there is a wall, you can get a lot of other things done. But the American people are not stupid, and they know that the first step, the necessary though not sufficient step, is to build the wall, like Finland is building a wall on its border with Russia, like Hungary built a wall on its border with Croatia, like Turkey built a wall on its border with Syria, like Israel has a wall in the Jerusalem area and in the Jordan Valley, and they had a fence, and the fence didn't work in Gaza, so they'll be rebuilding a much bigger wall in Gaza. They need to go up, and I'm looking forward to that being the central issue of the campaign immigration and the wall because americans are not dummies stay tuned i'm Hugh Hewitt. welcome back america mary Catherine ham host of getting hammered she goes by mk hammer on x good morning mary Catherine. how are you i'm doing all right Hugh. all right first i want to play for you president biden we had a rare biden sighting yesterday so i want to get your commentary while i can this is fresh hot off the presses cut number three joe biden on the border is he going to He's frozen. Every day between now and November, the American people are going to know that the only reason the border is not secure is Donald Trump and his MAGA Republican friends. So, Mary Catherine Ham, every day between now and November, everyone's going to know the border is Donald Trump and his MAGA friends' fault. Is that going to fly? It seems highly unlikely that people will believe that. I mean, just on a gut level, they know that when it comes to the border, Trump is the guy who is into securing it. Biden is the guy who has not. And that is going to be in people's heads uh, for the entirety of the year. I don't think they're going to overcome a 35-point deficit on How this How did Corrine Jean-Pierre by- get into your house for you to do this? <laughs> Why is yes. <laughs> You know what? We have, we have a complainer outside. Uh, she's not enjoying my interview. <laughs> Is Genghis Kate over there? Did she break in? Because that's something Genghis Kate would do. Okay, so let's go back. No, but we, we should never get this one and Genghis Kate together because it would be sure destruction. And there's a Mandel that we don't want involved either. It's going to be the crime ring that brings down Batman. But But let's go back and say, if they actually run with this, does anyone believe this? Does anyone fall for this? I don't think they do. Like, look, is there a chance that there's a slight blunting of the clear argument that Trump can make about this? Maybe, but I just think so few people are going to buy this. They have seen what Biden has done over the past three years. They know that executive orders and removing them, which was entirely in his purview, is what made this happen. Um, It is such a lie to say that he has absolutely no ability to solve this problem in his own hands. He clearly does. I think a lot of people know that. And I think the emotions about this issue, especially since um, illegal immigrants have been uh, sent to blue cities where they're suddenly having to deal with the capacity issues and the humanitarian crisis that they had before left to the border towns, um, is real. And it's real across the board. That's why you see that 35-point deficit Uh, for Biden on this issue. I just don't think that's going away with this lie. The president also attempted yesterday to discuss Hamas's rejection of the uh, Israeli-negotiated 
uh, an accepted ceasefire that was put together by Egypt, Qatar, and the United States. Here's what the president said. Cut number one, this is painful. Cut number one, if it's working. There is some movement, and I don't want to, I don't want to, well, maybe choose my words. There's some movement, there's been a response from the, uh, There's been a response from the opposition, but um, yes, I'm sorry, from Hamas. So, Mary Catherine, that's painful. Does that matter that it's that bad now? He can't think of Hamas. I mean, I think it does matter. You see it in polls that it matters. The most unifying point for American people is that Biden is too old to do his job. Right. That's the one thing we agree on and huge, huge numbers. Um, So it does matter. I wonder whether from here on out, how often they have him speak at all. Uh, I think they're going to attempt to keep him as covered up as possible, because that is not a man who looks like he should be the leader of the free world. That that is the bottom line. And we it will be the hidden hand, uh, not the front porch campaign, not the basement campaign, the Houdini campaign. Where'd he go? So let me close with this. My our friend, Chairman Gallagher, voted no on impeaching Mayorkas. He has an op ed in The Wall Street Journal. He's coming on next hour. I'll talk to him about it. What do you think? Will he get blowback for that that he cares about? Yeah, I think he is going to get blowback back. But I read the op ed and I think he makes a fairly decent case that, like, why are we going to do this when there are other methods uh, to punish under uh, enforcement of the law and what are we actually getting out of impeachment and lowering the bar to this level that will eventually be used against Republican cabinet members. I share everyone's frustration uh, that when you have a Democratic president, you end up with a lot of cabinet heads who seem to not be doing their jobs. But I'm not sure that impeachment is is always the solution to that. Does it actually solve the problem? No. 30 seconds. Um, How does Gallagher best deal with it? By, by, By making just the constitutional argument and saying, that's it, it's It's not what was intended by the framers. Uh, I think that that's the first step, but I think you have to go farther than that and talk about how you solve the problem outside of this tool. Right. If this is not the right tool, what is the right tool? And it's very frustrating to people to hear sometimes that the right tool is waiting for the courts to decide. And then two years later, they end up deciding in our favor, which doesn't do any good on the ground like that. That is the part of our system um, that is legit but very frustrating for voters. So you have to speak to that and you have to come up with other ways to adjudicate this. And do you think the court will accept certiorari on the D.C. Circuit's appeal uh, decision yesterday saying Trump does not have unlimited immunity while president? I, I cannot read the court, but I saw your argument that they should like just stay everything until after the election, right? Yep. Ooh, it's going to get weird out there. Yep. OK, we'll see. It's going to get very weird. Getting Hammered is her podcast. MK Hammer is her ex handle. And I don't know who's knocking on her door. I hope it's not Genghis Kate. Stay tuned, America. I'm Hugh Hewitt. Want to remind everyone a great sponsor of the program is mypHDweightloss.com. Generalissimo went on that program more than a year ago, lost 50 pounds. He's kept it off. And uh, stress eating is not allowed, I don't believe, even though we're under a lot of. Uh, sure, uh, tempted uh, to this week, aren't we? Uh, everybody is. I, but, but we don't. They, I'm sure they give you tricks of the trade to combat that because that's one of the habits. You broke that habit. You're not going by Del Taco or Taco no. Bell. Have not. No. You haven't relapsed. Have not relapsed. 
And um, that is a, and it's healthy, it's wise, it's yes. productive. 864 644 1900. That's 864 644 1900. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org slash impact. Welcome back, America. Hugh Hewitt, live in California, where it's not raining. Olivia Beavers is in Virginia, where she's covering the house, where it's raining news. Olivia, what'd you make of Chairman Gallagher's explanation for his no vote on Mayorkas? I think Chairman Gallagher is trying to be very, um, you know, at least thoughtful in terms of his argument about why he voted against. He has an op-ed. He put out a lengthy statement. He's on your show explaining why. He's not um, by any means saying that he defends how... Secretary Mayorkas has handled the um, the border issues at the border. But, uh, you know, at the same time, he's making this vote and he's going to face pretty intense blowback. And I was in the House gallery so you can watch everything that's going on the House floor. And Gallagher, unlike the other two Republicans who voted no, Ken Buck and Tom McClintock, there was a very intense lobbying effort. There was Speaker Johnson talking to him. There were um, different committee chairs. There was Mark Green himself, and that conversation did not look friendly. Um, and it was very clear that this was trying to convince him as they held this vote open to change his mind and give them the win. And uh, Mike Gallagher did not buckle. And if you know Mike Gallagher, strong-arming him is not something that Oh, he's work. a Marine. You have to. He's a you Marine. have to come with some sort of argument to, that, that convinces him that it, it defeats his own argument. And um, I, you know, I'm still collecting information, but I don't think that that was sort of the approach. Oh, months ago, if he was a no, I would have gone to work on him and he wasn't whipped. And I don't <laughs> understand it. I don't understand why they voted yesterday, but they're learning their ropes. And I also don't think it matters much. I do think the supplemental matters a lot. What is your reporting on the Senate supplemental, which I hope passes today, stripped of the inane border provisions? Well, I I mean, I think you're still getting into this entire situation where everything is caught up because you still have Republicans who say they want the border. You still have um, entire situation. They just don't want the border deal that was struck with Cinema Murphy and Senator Lankford. Um, And. You know, we also saw the kind of counter in the House, which is Mike Johnson yesterday put the Israel aid clean bill with no um, offsets on the House floor. And it didn't pass because the way that right now the House is structured, it wouldn't go through the rules committee. So they did under suspension, which means you need about two thirds of the House to support it. And they didn't have the number. So that failed as well. So we're kind of just getting everything caught up in some pretty intense politics of, well, we want this and we want that and you didn't give us this. But before we go to the House side, it has to get through the Senate. I believe Schumer is going to bring a clean supplemental on Taiwan, Israel, Ukraine and American defense funding shorn of the bad border bill. The border bill is dead. Everyone's admitted that, right? It's just dead, dead, dead. Yep. And McConnell is saying it himself. Yeah, so. it dead, dead, dead. But but they're going to go to a vote today. Do you think that vote on the 
the cleaner, it's not clean completely, but the cleaner supplemental will get Republican support and pass the Senate. 60 votes. I imagine that it does. Um, I haven't done the whip count. That would be more in my um, colleague Burgess would have been doing that yesterday. Um, but the also, once you punt it over to the House, um, it's Ukraine, um, and Ukraine is a much like stronger hot-button issue, which probably wouldn't pass. Um, uh, you'll you lose Republican. Pro- you'll lose 10% of the Republican caucus. Most Republicans are national security-minded, and I know that the That's- anti-Ukraine people are, are very loud, but I don't think they're very numerous. No, you're you're correct, but there's um, with Marjorie Taylor Greene threatening to do motion to vacate against Johnson uh, if he has any sort of Ukraine aid. I think that there's an element of political consideration going in, despite Johnson previously saying that they would pass Ukraine aid. Um, you know, that's not something that he would admit to or say publicly. But um, you're you're kind of having his his you know the the. People who um, are not afraid to make threats, making threats about if he decides to move forward with Ukraine. And well, I, I don't know um, the speaker a- well, Olivia. I've only talked to him a couple of times, maybe three times on the air. I've never met him in person. Is he intimidated by anyone saying I'm going to throw you out of a job he never intended to have? No one will admit that they are. But I think we're talking about political animals here. Like everyone wants to keep their job. They want to keep their leadership position. They don't want to be ousted. Um, and you know, I feel like McCarthy used to dismiss that he was afraid of a motion to vacate, but as reporters, we saw behind the scenes when he would make decisions that were clearly in reaction to, um, the threat of Matt Gates deciding to trigger a motion to vacate. So, um, it doesn't, you know, they're fully aware of it. They're, they're afraid of it, but, um, they will. There is a knucklehead caucus. There is a knucklehead caucus. And the knucklehead caucus is a problem. But if it's there, I don't think we can stop defending Taiwan, Israel, Ukraine, and the West because we've got a half dozen knuckleheads. Olivia Beavers, follower on X. Thank you, Olivia. Always a pleasure to see you. I'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com. <laughs> 